Hey guys, welcome to the Relational Revolution podcast. So today's podcast is a little bit different because it's a soundbite pulled from a recent event with Luke 10 that was all live for four days. And so Jason and I decided, hey, why not do a live podcast? Now, mind you, we'd never done one before, so there was a learning curve, but we survived. And though there were some technical difficulties, like it just jumps right in, you'll see. And at the end, Jason's power went out. So that was fun. But still, we felt this content was worthy of being shared. So, hey, jump in with us and enjoy. I'll uh, jump in. I am checking in today as elated and also with a sense of equilibrium. And so elated because I just got off um, the previous call uh, with our with our trainers, Dennis uh, facilitated that beautifully. And it was uh, such a beautiful flow of uh, unexpected dialogue. I didn't know where it was gonna go, but I really came off that, uh, that call um, elated. And so, nice. so, yeah, just to work with, with, uh, these ninjas, these emotional ninjas, they're amazing to me. Uh, and also with equilibrium, uh, Chad, this this morning I, I got up and uh, I had such a such an encounter with the Lord that was unexpected. Um, w- woke up in uh, an extended uh, crucible of sorts and uh, was really needing needing a moment with uh, the Lord and uh, he he came in like a, a like a riptide of of ravishing love, and um, I just was gutted uh, with lots of weeping, lots of writing, lots of awe, and uh, it was a moment that marked me in a way that I never even got a tattoo. It, this is tattoo. It was a tattoo worthy day. <laughs> that I would get. It was that it was that good and that special and that intimate. So I'm really glad that. Um, that he's gone. So that is me. And I'll just share what uh, drew me to the podcast uh, was, well, let, let me let you check in first and then I'll come back and share that. So how are you checking in today? Okay. So what happened to me this morning is what drew me to the podcast. Um, so this morning I got up, um, I'm checking in. Um, I would have checked in first thing this morning as anxious and a bit intimidated uh, for a number of reasons. I'm anxious about uh, the day. I'm anxious about the week. I have a lot of things. I've conquered some pretty big things this week with podcasting and, and still learning and even had challenges this morning. How are we going to go live here and still record it for our podcast? So all those things were were weighing on me and trying to figure it all out. And um, uh, But, but I, I I was ready to check in anxious, but then I had a training call with Luke 10 this morning with uh, where I was being trained by um, this precious man from Alaska named Ryan. And Ryan, if you are listening, you are a spiritual ninja, my friend. And um, I was a little anxious about the call and honestly, a little intimidated uh, to, to meet somebody new. Jason is my, my friend. And when the training opportunity came up. I thought, well, Jason, so I pick, and it it wasn't um, it wasn't what Father wanted. And when I got assigned to Ryan, I had met Ryan one time before, and I when I prayed about it, I heard the Lord say, uh, "This is He's safe. He, this is going to be good." And so then when we, you know, Ryan's in Alaska. Bless his heart, he gets up at six thirty to to connect with me at ten thirty here. And by the time we were done with the call, everything we will talk about today was practiced on that call and lived out in such a beautiful way that by the end, I could say I connect, I could check in at peace, completely feeling safe and loved, seen, held, the emotions of my heart changed. Uh, even to the point I was thinking, now going into this call, this is easy peasy because Father met with me with a person I barely even know in such a beautiful and insightful way and encouraged my heart. That And, and, and honestly, 
my check-in is I am so grateful, full of joy at Father's love and compassionate care for us, that he knows exactly what we need and when we need it and knows how to get it to us. And um, it's so beautiful, Jason. And, and, and just it's what led me to this podcast, learning those things. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about the stuff we're going to talk about today. I'm all in. Mm. <clears throat> that is beautiful. Celebrating uh, your connection with Ryan and uh, that training pathway. And you're in uh, stellar and capable hands um, with uh, the man from Alaska. He's amazing. Yeah, he had a pretty good trainer, too. I, I, I heard he's not a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So uh, I'll come back to what drew me to starting this podcast and maybe telling our listeners what it is. So uh, just a few, few weeks ago, um, I was walking the track at the YMCA after a workout and I felt a tap on my shoulder and I felt like it was the Holy Spirit. And I felt like I heard a whisper, hey, would you, would you consider um, pausing, initiating your podcast that you want to do and, and, and beginning with one called Relational Revolution? I said, nah, I'm not so interested. <laughs> I'm really passionate about the one that I want to do. Nice. And so, uh, but I, I sweetly acquiesced. And you and I started to talk, and then you said, hey, would, would you like to co-host? Prayed about it, felt like it was a good move. And you and I have subsequently recorded four, I believe, episodes with some intros and this and that. But the springboard of our podcast is based on this book, yeah. Relational Revolution. And that's what this these few days are about, is about bringing this and showcasing it uh, for others. And so we've been recording some. This is going to be re recording live and I'll, I'll go ahead and give our intro and we'll see how the tech works uh, on the other side of things. Uh, I think this will be fun. I think, uh, I know you personally have a podcast um, and we can we can share, share that and the title of this one. <clears throat> How fun is it, though? I've been interviewed on podcasts, haven't done my own. How fun is it just to jump in the airplane with blindfold and just do it live that's streamed on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and wherever else for the first time? So that actually pumps me up. Yeah. So, nice. Uh, anything you want to add um, on what? Yeah, I, I was only going to say we were already building the podcast plane proverbially in flight. And this just took us to the stratosphere with the flight. So we appreciate everybody's grace because Jay and I have been learning to do this. We've been talking about it for months and then we just did it. And uh, you, you have to understand our personalities. I am a ready, fire, aim kind of guy. Like I, be I believe in praying for bullets to head the right way when you are arrows, man, just ready, fire, aim. And, and Jay is very much a ready, aim, fire kind of guy. And so the beautiful uh, a place where we're learning to flow together is just, it's very sweet. And I'm grateful for father in doing this. Mm -hmm. And this information is so important. That's why it's just, that's why it's good to do. Well, are you ready to, uh, to start? I am ready, my friend. What would it look like to make church relational again? Across the world, there seems to be a disruption in the way we've done church. In fact, some are so done with church that they're called duns, yet they're not necessarily done with Jesus. We love Jesus. We love the church. Yet so often, the cacophony of unhealthy Christian culture can confuse our perceptions of God. Welcome to the Relational Revolution podcast. It is our hope in these conversations to distinguish the signal of Christ from the noise of Christianity. We invite you into an ongoing exploration of rediscovering church as heart-to-heart -heart connection. I'm your host, Jason Twombly. I'm your other host, Chad Waller. And today, our original plan was to unpack the gems of Luke 10, 
and the value of being Jesus led. And in the spirit of being Jesus led, we have been led by Jesus uh, to actually um, discuss places where the where coach or Holy Spirit, we call him coach, uh, stopped us while we were engaging with chapter two of relational revolution. And so our topic today, being led by Jesus, is joy-fueled. Um, so I'd like to talk to you a little bit about chapter two in the book Jay mentioned. And man, I can't encourage you enough to get the book. Excellently done. We are so grateful that the authors that are involved in Luke 10 have allowed us to use this as our podcast text. And, and it's so full of a wealth of information that we could podcast on just information in that book for, for years to come and uh, have really scripted out a lot of things we'd like to talk about. But so if you have the book or if you've read the book, if not get the book, man, I can't promote it enough. And, and you'll see that there's a declaration of what joy-fueled is. Let me read this to you. As we follow God's lead, we leave behind guilt and shame as primary motivators. We, are, we see salvation as healthy, joyful connection to God. Let me say that again. We see salvation, not as rule following, but as healthy, joyful connection to God. Consequently, we encounter church as a joy-based relationship with each other and with God. We are not guilt-ridden nor duty-driven. We have found that it is in kindness or it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. And this is written in the book. Now, I just want to give you kind of a GPS or an overview of what we want to do on our call today and um, on this podcast. And it's in this episode, we are going to talk about the relational revolution. And what we hope to unpack for you today is um, this discussion of identifying the problem of not being uh, joy-fueled. Why, why, what can happen in your life when you're not joy-fueled? And uh, man, you're going to want to hear that because a lot of us have lived in that place. And then the provision of transformational joy. Um, then we'll talk about the power of bouncing back. And then lastly, um, the practice of being joy-fueled. This is going to be full of, of not just information, but we're going to talk to you about how you can practice and live these things and give you stories of how we've lived it. So, Jay, would you start off by talking about the problem? Why is it such a, a problem to have low joy? And maybe what are some of the other things that people uh, use to fuel themselves uh, besides joy? That's a really good question. Uh, low joy really is is uh, is a problem um, in the development of a congregation, of a family. And in Luke ten, we we seek to uh, cultivate vibrant families of Jesus uh, to be joy fueled and Jesus led. And so, one of the reasons, uh, as I reflect on my own life, when I've experienced low joy, um, you know, it, it's because it took years to discover in my own development that joy was an inside job. Mm. It was, it was wow. relational, totally relational. And I didn't, I didn't quite know that. And I, I, was, I was responsible for the cultivation of the skill to grow my capacity for it. And being part of Luke 10, it really helped me. Uh, become more responsible for what's going on in the inside of me. Chad, like you, I've tasted the bliss of joy ecstatically in worship services, uh, in conferences, in, in mystical, uh, quiet times. But I couldn't seem to stay in that sweet spot. Why? Uh, well, people. Uh, I'm an introvert. Uh, why? Uh, me. I couldn't because of me. Um, I couldn't stay with myself long enough. Uh, so there's me and there's people, you know, God's really easy to get along with, but I never yes. really learned, right? I never really learned how to train my brain and my nervous system to regulate between joy and quiet as my baseline. And until I listened to the message that joy was sending me, it's a very intelligent emotion until I could 
get that message from the bottle of joy, I couldn't really give it that lodging place for more than weeks at a time, my entire life. And joy was trying to show me how strong she really was. Uh, she was staying for the long haul. There was more to joy, more robustness. It was more of a fully orbed emotion uh, than I ever imagined. And she was ready, willing, and able to not only yeah. stay, but to drive the chariot, the chariot of my soul, even with all of the other emotions uh, that I deeply experience. I'm an Enneagram four, so I have big, big, overwhelming emotions. So think of the, the Pixar movie Inside Out. And if you remember that, uh, there was different orbs of emotions that could wow. go and, and dominate. And so what, it, what does all this mean? It means that joy when she was driving uh, the chariot or the, the bus of my soul, she was able to get along and lead these other emotions. And particularly her handmaiden sorrow would show up, even mm. almost the seemingly inverse or opposite side of joy was sorrow. And not only that, this relationship in the interior landscape of my heart would allow sorrow even to do her job and to carve out deeper places within me to experience more of the octane wow. moments of joy. And so once the family of emotions, and it is a family, once they came to equilibrium, I no longer had to hold others hostage in my life, with the weight of trying to make me happy. You know, that kind of disappointment and resentment strangle the root of joy. Just think of Jonah, Peter, the older son and the prodigal son story. So instead of me, a lot of my life, looking around at why other people are a problem or because they aren't making me joyful, I realized that, you know, maybe it wasn't so much about what they weren't doing, but it was more about my internal barriers that really prevented me from engaging in their love and joy. And so my learning about this is, is quite humbling as I'm unlearning in this stage of my life, because Chad, it was never anyone else's job to make me happy or joyful. And as I realized that this is my own inner work to do to fuel my nervous system with joy, I'm realizing that joy comes from the inside out. Wow. And the door to joy opens from the inside. And so when I fuel my life with these other lesser fuels, and I'm going to ask you what your, uh, your substitute fuels might be as well. But when I fuel my life with these lesser fuels, they only bring me to, to exhaustion, to burnout. So for me, those fuels um, that are the motivations besides joy would be um, knowledge. How much can I know? How much can I know? I want to be a knower. I want to know things. Uh, the strength of my will, my grits, my volition, shame, a uh, real sucky motivator, guilt, being duty-driven, did that for a long time. But how, how about ego? How about pleasing my ego? That's a, that's a motivation. Uh, oh, in the name of Jesus, by the way, <laughs> in the name of Jesus, all of these uh, can, can happen. Um, you know, Chad, have, I, I was thinking about this this morning. Have you ever been like so thirsty, like really, really thirsty like you're playing sports and you just you need that replenishment i remember one time i was thinking about this a friend of mine uh in upstate new york ran the troy the troy turkey trot and as as he was finishing the race uh someone it was, it was toward the end i think it was the 10k he was finishing and then someone on the side uh they handed him a cup to drink and so he's depleted he's thirsty and he goes goes to chug it and unfortunately it was by the alehouse and he downed a he downed a, a pint of Guinness before before he started to spit it out. And so, beer is not the best beverage while running a race. Water is because we need water to live. And so, water meets the thirst. It's the right the right fuel. But if you would try to drink maple syrup if you're in a race just because you liked it and it was sweet, it wouldn't quench your thirst. And so, the problem with any other fuel than joy that we're designed to consume is that it might taste appealing in the beginning and for whatever reason, uh, but ultimately uh, the Guinness, the pancake syrup, the guilt, the shame, 
the gospel of knowledge and duty, although it would be potentially sweet and maybe numbing for a season, it would never be able to get you to where you want to go in a wholesome and satisfying way. Chad, what are some of the fuels uh, that have not served you so well? Wow. So um, first, I just want to point out something you said that I just don't want to, uh, to gloss over, because that is so powerful, Jason. You said uh, joy was or is an inside job. And I just think that is, man, if people get anything from this today, this discussion, get that joy happens on the inside of you. And, and if you don't learn that fact, no one can make you happy. No one can give you joy. No, I mean, only Jesus in that relationship with him. But here's the deal. He's always had it to offer and he can't even make you if you don't want it. And you can quote scriptures. You can know scriptures like the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah, but where the joy at, bro? I mean, you know, just because you can quote that scripture doesn't mean you have it. And it's funny when you you hear people quoted about the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm like, but I don't feel joy. <laughs> and, and that force of joy, where is it at? Because it's not, it's not memorizing more. It's not learning more. And that's so important to me is that, that um, the things, because I think about things that haven't served me well. As an Enneagram 8, anger is my go-to emotion. You know, and, and anger doesn't always serve you well. And, you know, and I keep, and, and someone who will say, yeah, but it motivates you to get stuff done. Yeah, but if it's not done with joy, and um, it's it just, it, it's not going to be done well. It may get done, but the, the carnage that is left in the wake of your rage-induced doing. And I remember many years ago, this phrase that became very uh, famous, uh, be the church, don't just do church. And it sounded really cute. But what we all started doing was doing more stuff to be the church, like be the church. Okay, now I've got to do more stuff. So we increased our doing and thinking that was going to give us more joy. I'm going to go feed the hungry. Great. That's great to do. I'm going to go reach out to the, the, the poor. I'm going to do all these things. But now instead of doing church, you are doing more stuff to prove being but you're not being with joy. And what happened was it just wore everybody out doing more stuff. I was um, talking to Paul Young, the author, author of The Shack, and he, we were talking about this, about learning to entertain joy, because Melinda and I went on a journey to learn to entertain joy and to return. We heard this statement that a mature Christian can return to joy in, in 90 seconds. And I was thinking, man, I can't return to joy in 90 days. You know, sometimes, you know, hoping I can get there. And, and I was talking with Paul Young about this. And Paul said, Chad, joy seldom visited me before he learned to do this. It seldom visited and she never spent the night. And I was like, that's true. Like when we find sometimes joy is almost this elusive thing. Like I can do anger. I can do depression. I can do sadness. I can do spiritual busyness to make myself feel like I've, I've punched my spiritual card. But all of that not flowing from the place of acceptance and oneness and flowing out of some separation that if I do this, God will be happy with me and I will find joy in doing this. It doesn't work that way. And so um, I, I have found that everything that I have tried to fuel my life with outside of the pure, true joy that we're already told will be your strength. Without that, it always leads me lacking. And Jason, um, while reading through uh, Relational Revolution, what is it that grabbed your attention uh, that describes God's provision for us? Because we're not just talking ethereal. Y'all got to have joy. It really teaches us how God provides this and how we can have it. Well, in Luke 10, we uh, really place a high value on the asset of attention. And we want to become radical attention, radical attention payers. You know, our society is often cloying for our attention. You just go to the gas station 
and you can't even pump your gas without being distracted by loud commercials and advertisements. And so uh, the preciousness of the commodity of silence uh, that we can cult cultivate within is uh, at a real premium. And uh, we, we, we do this in our training and our church 101s of paying attention to our hearts and to one another's um, as we connect in this heart-to-heart -heart connection. And we're, we're devoted to something. Like you mentioned, we could be heart, heartily devoted to anger, heartily devoted to shame, and we can uh, have a relationship with, with sadness and only one or, or several of those strong emotions. But until we learn how to shift our attention to the kingdom of God within, righteousness, peace, and joy, two-thirds of which are emotions, and oh. the kingdom of God is, is, is within us, like Jesus said, when we use attention to uh, to create a greater awareness of that kingdom we become greater more devoted to those things that matter mary oliver the poet said that attention is the beginning to devotion attention mm -hmm. is the beginning to devotion and, and as we're shifting our attention our energy goes uh our attention goes where the energy is flowing and so this provision of transformational joy this is relational joy and we'll unpack that a little bit more and we'll make a few quotes from the book but i really feel like for the problem of low joy the provision is transformational joy mm. this chapter uh this, this chapter highlights what we do as a community of practice and this is embodying this relational joy and so the authors uh were writing in, in this chapter, and then I stopped. My my attention was arrested, and it's like us in a relational learning kind of way. You'll have to listen to our podcast to hear more about what relational learning is. But I stopped, and I paid attention uh, as it just jumped off the page. And it was right where they said, God is glad to be with us no matter what. Stop. So good. God is glad to be with us no matter what and so the reality of joy being described as as god being genuinely glad to be with me no matter what it blows my mind you know who in the world wants to be with me all the time uh, maybe my mother and maybe she's watching hi mom um i know she loves me but like bb king the great jazz player once said nobody loves you except your mama but she could be jiving too and so as much as I love my mom, <clears throat> I know that God is always present to be glad to be with me no matter what. And then from my communion with God, from that, from that place of him always wanting to be glad to be with me no matter what I'm feeling, even and especially the denser emotions of the heavy emotions of shame, sadness, anger, whatever it might be, I can learn how to be glad with other people in their emotions, whatever they are. And I can truly love my neighbor as I have loved myself and been loved by God. And I can, I can learn how to be glad to be with them without trying to you know, fix them, give them advice and simply be with them with that ministry of presence. So joy fueled is, is further described in the yeah. book as, as this love sparking joy. And they go ahead and talk about neuroscience. And so right from chapter two, I'll, I'll, I'll quote from the book. It says, uh, quote, we now know through studies in neuroscience that this pattern of love sparking joy, great phrase, love sparking joy, it forms the basis from earliest infancy from, for all healthy human development. When we see a baby light up in the presence of her smiling mother, we're witnessing the genesis of joy fuel being formed in another, another life. This is love embodied. This is God's life, end of quote. Yeah. And as precious as this is to see how we're wired for this love igniting joy as infants, it continues to build this secure attachment with one another as adults. And we surely need that from happening. You know, we need it more than a, a Sunday experience just 52 times a year. And so we're wired to continually be looking for that person who's looking for us who's always so glad and delighted to, to, to see you. And um, I'll, uh, I'll mention this. I was recently 
challenge to stay in this sweet spot of joy, right? I'm learning to stay in that window of tolerance or that sweet abiding spot of joy. And I was recently challenged to remain there as uh, sometimes I could slip into my non-relational self mode where my circuits are off. And I, I, I needed to stay in that. I'm glad to be with you together, Joy, no matter what, because there was a recent event. I had an encounter that was sour. It was a painful interaction that I had with somebody. And my protectors went up and I, I needed time to practice uh, my skills of returning to joy. And there are several skills that I use in my arsenal to return to joy, but none of them seem to work. It's like, uh oh, and this, this was actually just a few weeks ago. So, and then uh, one really early morning at the gym, again, a whole body, body a whole bodied moment because we're not just uh, large intellects walking on, on our legs. So one really early morning at the gym, I remember during cycle class, uh, the instructor, uh, like, like five in the morning was super dark and everything. And I was just, uh, I needed, just needed to return to joy and I couldn't do it. Uh, and I remember the instructor played Thunderstruck by ACDC <laughs> uh, twice by accident. And Jesus met me even in that song um, so powerfully. It was more than just a moment. It was really like a, like a lightning bolt. And he gave me a fresh, like this, the freshest sobering perspective. And it was this, that, that I'm embodying now that, that one day will be my last it wasn't just in my head. It was one day, it'll be my last day. One hug will be my last hug. One kiss will be my last kiss. One glance will be my last forever glance. So will my last encounter with anyone, anyone that I see, will my last encounter be one of, I'm glad to be together with you no matter what? Will I be glad to be with them, not based on what they do, what they're feeling, but based on who I am and who they are? And so if people are born looking for someone to look for them with that sparkle in their eye, how vital is it also to make the final glance one of heartfelt gladness? So Chad, this God who's glad to be with us no matter what, translated in horizontal relationship, how has this been transformational for you and how does that help you return to joy? So, I, I don't know. I can't remember the first time I heard the definition of joy being somebody is glad to be with you. Um, when I did hear it, though, I just I spent some time meditating on it. Um, it took me back to when I first met my wife and I was a mess man, um, pretending to be OK, but a mess. And she used to say to me, I love you. And I would say, why? You know, before we got married, even why? And she just. I love you, man. I love you. Love everything about you. And I was like, and she knew more about me than anybody. And, and I, so I knew I had experienced joy. I'm happy to be with you no matter what for many years. Now, she wasn't that way every day. Let me get this right. She's human. And so, but we learned together. But then fast forward to years later, learning that that definition, joy is somebody being glad to be no matter what that part. I just, I can't emphasize it enough. And then I thought of the joy of the Lord is our strength from the old Testament that's, you know, and he tells them don't weep because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then I applied that definition. So the joy of the Lord, what is the joy of the Lord? So if I say joy is knowing somebody is happy to be with you. So then knowing that the Lord is happy to be with me, no matter what is my strength. It took it from being some ethereal, you know, joy what is that is that when everything's going right man i really enjoyed that or or joy is what i'm happy but no but knowing that god is happy to be with me and then as i began to meet people who were practicing this like meeting you jason and victoria and then uh, us as couples getting to know one another and experiencing it the i mean the literal light up when i when i walk into your house when, when I see you, your face lights up and it could have been days that we haven't seen each other or, or maybe we hardly weeks go by, but it, it's just the, the feeling that I feel genuinely you are happy to see me and it warms the heart where am I, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm going through. We, we see each other in public and it's like, 
And, and you wonder what people think, what, what's going on with these two guys? They're, but there's such a sweetness. And I've met other people from Luke 10. In fact, some of the people, and if you're watching this, we've met some of the people from Luke 10. And I'm like, are these people fake or what is going on? Because they were over the top joy to meet us and then asking questions and wanting to get to know us. And I was almost, because me, I'm, you know, I'm like, whoa, back off, get back, get back. I don't know you like that. And because I just didn't know them. And, but I felt this, it's so nice to meet you. I mean, Zach, the first time I met him, he's like, tell me about you. And he's all in my grill. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know you. And then I'm just drawn in because joy reaches out. This transformational joy pulls me out of my insecurity and just hugs my heart and says, you're safe here. And, and, and Zach like leans on the counter. He's like, so tell me more about that. And I'm like, golly, who is this dude? And it just melts my heart and has made me feel more safe. And so over the last year, I've started this practice. I'm just looking at people and saying, I'm so happy to be with you today. I'm talking even in public, just slowing my role and looking at someone and saying, I'm so glad. And it just struck me, Jay, you said this may be the last glance. Like, so I'm speaking to a checkout person and I look at them and say, man, has anybody told you today how awesome you are? And they look up and they lock eyes with you and they say, no, I saw this lady out in public and, and just beautiful elderly lady. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking she probably got up, got all decked out. If she has a husband, he probably didn't notice because I know how you men's are. And, or did he? I don't know. But I thought, man, this day doesn't need to go by without her hearing somebody say this. And I stopped her in the parking lot. Melinda was right there with me. And I said, ma'am, ma'am, has anyone told you how fabulous you look today? Your outfit, your hair, everything. You are so beautiful. And she teared up and she said, no, they haven't. And I said, this day should not go by without you knowing how beautiful you are. And I'm so honored that I got to be with you in this moment to be the one to tell you that. It, it wasn't fake, it wasn't forced, it wasn't contrived, it was so real. And I felt like, like, do you wanna hug it out or what should we do here now? And she's like, come here, honey, let's hug. It, it just is so transformational to accept the joy that is afforded you and then to be a conduit of that joy, it's so beautiful. And it, it has changed me in so many ways. Um, so, Jay, uh, let me enough about that. Let's talk about the power of joy, the power that it gives us uh, and, and the ability to bounce back. Even you were talking about difficult situations. So how does joy empower us to bounce back from difficult situations? I'm still with you in the was it the parking lot. Thank you for that story. I, 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 I thank it's you. For beautiful, that. isn't it? It's beautiful. Um, it really is. It opens up that fast track where we're connecting more from the right hemisphere um, with the other uh, person, and it just kind of kind of brings us online. You know, a lot of times if you have your cell phone, we can operate. You know, if you're in airplane mode, and we're an autopilot, and the elevator in our brain hasn't gone all the way up to the prefrontal cortex and that's it's not connecting it's not connecting we're living offline we're living on autopilot mm -hmm. and uh connecting with people like that is all about this heart to heart connection um what if what if church was like that what if church was having zach hey zach uh coming up Love and zach. <laughs> showing genuine interest and gentle curiosity and wanting to uh, develop and cultivate that sense of belonging uh, and, uh, and staying in that no matter what. So we've been talking about the problem of, of low joy. We're, we're looking at <clears throat> the provision of this transformational joy that we're depicting together. Well, I think the power, there's so much power in this joy, uh, but the authors really talk about living in the unforced rhythms of grace. Mm. That's a phrase that Eugene Peterson, the translator of uh, the paraphrased uh, Bible, the message that he used um, for Matthew 11. And maybe we can read that in just a few moments. But this is a really good question about what, how the power of that joy gives us the ability to bounce back 
from difficult situations. And they talk about this in the chapter in a few different ways, but uh, it, it's such a good question again, because joy is such a powerful force. And so it's, it's, it's the secret. Here's a secret. You ready for a secret? I'm ready. To lean in, lean in. It's the secret to resilience. It's the secret to rest and relief. Resilience. Yes. Relief. So the ability to overcome. We're called overcomers. I, I don't know if everyone's doing that. Um, half the time I'm wondering. But if the overcomer lives inside of us, how can we tap into his joy? So the ability to overcome, the ability to, to bounce back has everything to do with joy. Um, and the real embodied, fully orbed, robust sense of joy. So remember what fueled Jesus. It was for the joy set before him that empowered him to despise the shame and go to the cross. But he also made space for all of the other emotions present in that moment. He could even have joy in the midst of <clears throat> anguish, in the midst of agony, so the more emotional capacity that we have, the wider that window of tolerance is, to, use a, a 20, uh, to borrow a phrase from Dr. Dan Siegel, the more emotional capacity we have, the greater is our ability to endure hardship well. But if we haven't been shown how to make joy the fuel and foundation of, of how we live our lives, we won't be able to show up as ourselves when heavy emotions swell like waves threatening to knock us down. Resilience is the art of bouncing wow. back. We can't do that with joy. So brain science and scripture, they give us the clue to the key of resilience. And those with low joy tend to bounce back from upset emotions much slower than those with high joy. And so with joy, its primary benefit, it's, it's this emotional resilience to motivate us to endure hard times. Mm -hmm. But it's something we have to cultivate, we have to build space for. And a big part of this relational revolution is learning. I know for me, it's learning how to navigate the emotional landscape of wholeness. You know, growing up in the church for me, it was either about being, uh, I, I cross pollinate, so I have different denomination markers in my life, <clears throat> either as a congregant or as a pastor. But church was all about uh, either being too emotional, maybe my Pentecostal and charismatic friends, but it was only the happy emotions, of course. Right. Because we were really good spiritually. Ignore the bad one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or some other segments um, where it was the primacy of the intellect and there was just no emotion at all. Uh, and it was, so now that and many in the church are awakening to, wow, we have to do, do a better job at, um, at these healthy, managing healthy emotions. Um, because we're paying attention now, I think it's starting to happen, especially since the pandemic. Um, but we're awakening to doing this real heart work. Uh, we don't have to, we no longer have to deny, demonize, or disassociate from all of our emotions because they all have a place. They all have a place. Yeah. We're all valid. Any thoughts or comments from you? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, I said we ignored the bad ones, but I want to clarify, there are no bad emotions, but we were taught that, especially growing up as a, as a, a kid, you know, we would call them now sometimes negative or heavy emotions, but it's like the, the, the light on your car, the engine light, it's not bad, it's, it's, it, it may bother you when it goes off, but it's only trying to tell you something. So when you have negative emotions, uh, they're not to be uh, uh, dealt with as if there's some evil thing. They're letting you know those, those heavy emotions. And that's what I love so much about uh, the Luke 10 rhythms um, and, and, and that I love about our relationship because I know, Jay, that you would be as happy to be with me when I have negative and heavy emotions as you are when I have happy emotions. And, and learning that I don't have to hide those, that I don't have to come with a prepared check-in. As an aggressive person, when we're going to do a check-in, you know, in the past, I would have been like, okay, I'm going to say this and say this and make myself look good. But it's all right when I, when I check in with those negative emotions. And then part of the secret of returning to joy is being honest about those emotions. 
And that that authenticity is is it gives me the resilience to bounce back from that. Uh, instead of hiding and trying to bear it on my own, the strength of relationship is being able to check in and say, hey, Jay, I'm not doing well today. I'm struggling. I'm going to have to be honest. This is what I'm feeling. I'm grieving. And then processing that. And then the gentle curiosity that we will have uh, in those situations and the way we work through that. You guys really have to listen to the whole podcast to hear how, how we explain this to you because it is very beautiful. Chad, I think I've known you um, less than a year since I moved here uh, over the summer um, to South Carolina. Right. I don't know how many times we've checked in and listened to Jesus together, uh, but I'm really grateful um, for that uh, soul companionship in our um, CO2, our Church of Two. Um, can you comment on how meaningful that's been for you as we're both from other states coming here and um, yeah, what would you say about that? Yeah, so um, the amazing thing to me is my wife had this plaque and it says an old friend, I forget how I said it, but it takes time to cultivate an old friend or something. And, and I think about our friendship and the depth that it went to in just the first talk, the first time we sat down. And it is directly, it corresponds directly to these rhythms that you can get to know someone on deep levels. I, I love it in the Message Bible. There's a scripture that talks about the Spirit of God is not content to flit around on surface issues. And it's talking about the Spirit of God and the work he does. He dives down into the heart of God. I think it's Romans 8. And I love that. When we connect, because, you know, for me, and, and so I'm an eight on the Enneagram, Jay's a four, and we both like to get to the heart and the meat of the matter. And I love how we can talk and we can connect, but we're not content just the surface issues. Like Jay and I wouldn't spend a whole, long, a whole lot of time talking about the football game yesterday. I mean, we might be like, you see one, that was a crazy game. And then it's like, Poof, dive deep. And we can talk about other matters, but it's, it's amazing to me the depth of friendship and heart connection that can be developed when somebody understands these rhythms and doing this together. And it is, it's, you said, I've known you for a year, and I'm thinking, ah, I don't remember. Okay, yeah, I guess I didn't know you then. Because not only have I known you for a year, but I've shared so much of the space of my heart with you that it feels like you've been there for a while. That is, that is work only, only deep, um, deep friendship and connection by Holy Spirit can do. And all these rhythms facilitated that. What if church was just like that? Come on. Make and it be so, Lord. Let it be. And so the Relational Revolution podcast, the Relational Revolution book, is all about this cultural shift of moving from a left brain dominance kind of way of doing church toward a whole brained encounter with God and with one another. <clears throat> you know, we're gonna open up a time of listening um, and seeing if there's any questions from our audience at all. And if not, uh, we'll come to a close. But in, in, in the book, there's a quote there uh, in chapter two, I, I have different pages than some other people. Uh, but they're talking about this cultural shift. Like, how how are we going to get from what we're talking about to uh, from where we were? So how, how are we going to go from a Christian culture that has maybe been scared by emotion or suppressed, suppressed emotion to understanding we're not led by it, but when we're connecting Father, Son, and Spirit to the language of our heart, maybe we'll connect to the language of His. And so um, hear from, from this quote a little bit, I'll rift through it and bring us to a close. Um, from chapter two, uh, our authors say, Christian culture has often been characterized by a limited and ultimately harmful fuel source that many of us have used at some point in our lives, the gospel of knowledge and duty. And frame this under the, this, this segment of the unforced rhythms of grace. So we're going to contrast Jesus' unforced rhythms of grace 
which Chad will read to us in a moment with this, this gospel of knowledge and duty. And it, uh, it continues, it says, this way of thinking says that if we just get more knowledge and try harder, we'll grow, mature, feel satisfied, and want to serve God and others. There's little attention to love or relational bonding. It's all about intellect and will. When knowledge and duty are all we have, they're not really good news, the meaning of the gospel, because as Galatians tells us, in the long run, this knowledge and duty cannot produce righteousness. Only a secure connection with God can do that. Knowledge and duty produce guilt and obligation, which can be effective at starting an engine, but unfortunately, this fuel, so to speak, corrodes over time, competes with joy, and eventually smothers it out altogether. Being joy-fueled, on the other hand, means you know that even when you cannot do anything for God today, God loves you and deeply enjoys being with you anyway. Get this next part. God is not in a relationship with you just to use you. He actually loves and delights in just being with you. He's interested in your feelings and emotions. And unfortunately, I, I can't stop this. I'm going to go a little further. It's so good. Unfortunately, Christian culture taught us that if we trust God, we will not be able to be overwhelmed with fear, anger, sadness, shame, or hopeless despair. Ugh, sigh. We as Christians have been encouraged to ignore our feelings and choose faith instead. This has done unimaginable damage to the body of Christ. Trusting is a process that begins with acknowledging present reality. As long as we deny our genuine emotions, thinking we are not supposed to feel them, we are defeated before we begin. Relationship is based on honesty and heart-to-heart -heart connection. When we ignore our feelings, we're living a lie. Thank you, John Kenton Tony, for writing this book for so many. The reality is that when we deny our emotions, especially the difficult ones, they do not go away. I'm inserting this. It's, it's like a giant beach ball for emotions that we, we're going to just, okay, I'm going to bury this under the water, you know, in the pool. And what's going to happen? It's, you know, what we bury rules us. Instead, they're allowed to sabotage us by influencing our reactions, trapping us in isolation and pain, even though we may be completely unaware of them. When we look to the Bible for wisdom, finishing out this quote, we find a book filled with emotion. The Psalms give us guidance on what to do with our heavier feelings. David modeled brutal honesty with himself and as he wrote out his feelings in songs or poems. Some people call his heavy works Psalms of Disorientation. So I'll pause there and say, Chad, how does that land on you? I know when I need to write my own Psalms of Disorientation and I've read them to you. How has expressing your emotions um, through composing music or writing, how has that been effective for what you, how you handle um, your, your course of regulation? So I, I don't, again, don't know when it started or how this is the secure attachment that I have with God as my father that led me just to be open and honest with him. In fact, my wife, Melinda has said before, She's, she thinks that if people heard sometimes the way I pray to Father, they would be very nervous, and especially if you find him a punitive God who, and, and stop it, church, just stop thinking that, a God who's going to throw lightning bolts, even stop joking about that, because I don't serve Zeus, he's not going to throw <laughs> lightning bolts at me, I don't serve a God who's out to get me, I, I don't serve Santa Claus, who's checking his list and checking it twice and finding out if I'm naughty or nice. I don't. My father, God is love, not has love. <sighs> he is love. And he loves me with a, a love that is so perfect. And so what that opened up for me was the ability to dialogue with, hey, Papa, today sucks. What you're doing here, I don't understand it. And anybody who gets nervous with that, have you not read the Psalms? I mean, we, we read the fun ones. And I'll be honest with you, for years, I remember Bible school doing a whole series on a, a class on the book of Psalms. 
and realizing, man, have I skipped over some of these? Because some of these are harsh. And they say some violent things. And people love to say, well, David always started out negative, but ended up positive. No, sometimes he never got there. Sometimes he ended with, oh, well, I'll just die, I guess. You know, Because it's not always easy. And every prayer doesn't end on a mountaintop. Some prayers end literally in the valley of the shadow of death when I don't see a way out. And some prayers end with a Habakkuk, yet I will praise him. Not seeing the answer. And when I found that ability to just be honest with God, I know you're doing something good. I know you promise good, but this show don't seem good right now. And, and Jesus said the Father is seeking such, such the worship in spirit and truth. And truth is being openly and honestly who you are before the Father. Not taking negative emotions and trying to pretend they are pretty emotions. Not trying to lie to myself. Not trying to convince God with some poetic prayer that I am really going to be okay. Because sometimes I'm not sure I'm going to be okay. I know he's okay. I know in the end, oh yeah, I read the back of the book and I'm going to make it. But I don't know about today. And he can handle every bit of that. And not once has he ever pulled his love back from me saying, whoa, son. You're getting too personal. You're getting too close. Don't do that. Never. I've All I've ever found is love and total acceptance. And probably in some of those deepest moments of honesty, pouring out my brokenness, when I would think because of this, he can't draw near, because that's what I've been taught. In those moments, finding the most beautiful, compassionate, outpouring of God's love and presence and some of the most beautiful compassionate words uh, as a song in a line used to say a line in a song used to say when I come to seek your face I find mercy and grace what I expected was judgment but no what I was told was he would be mad at me what I was told was he was sick and tired of me but he wasn't never has been never will be no matter what, folks, get those words that Jason said earlier. God is happy to be with me no matter what. That means I can pour out anything. And Jay, that to me is just the most beautiful thing. Wow, so well described. It makes me think of Psalm 22 where Jesus is um, speaking okay. that Psalm. Oh my yeah. God, he's now forsaken me, right? He's, he's emoting that. But in the end of the Psalm, people forget what it says it says thou hast not hidden thy face from me so oh, there's still that heart-to-heart -heart connection but but we're still able as sons and as daughters to throw grenades into the chest of the almighty come I've, on yes I've, I've, I've thrown him many a grenade and uh, he's returned uh gladness he was glad to be with me as i'm throwing grenades i'm aiming for his face sometimes um i love him so much um, but if those emotions weren't processed, they'll become redolent artifacts remaining in my body and my nervous system that blocks the full high octane of ever cleansing joy. So the invitation for us is to be honest before God and to receive his glad to be together with you joy no matter what. Chad, we were talking about this unforced rhythms of grace and, uh, I love the way it's presented in, in the message, uh, Matthew 11, 28, 29. Do you have that? At, 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 yes. At yes. Yeah, I, I love it. I love what it says. Um, Jesus says it this way in Matthew 11, 28 and 29. And this is from the message. So he says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Anyone? I'm looking into the camera, wherever the camera is here. Anyone burned out on religion? Uh, just take a breath because one of our podcasts we've talked about the duns and I, you know I, I feel like right now somebody has stumbled upon this and I don't know how you got here but you're done with, with religion and so was Jesus that's why he came he came because he was done with religion he was done that everything that separated his father 
and trinity from his people, his creation. He came to show us what father was like. And he was done with the religion and his call is, are you done with religion? Then hear him saying this to you today, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Just take a deep breath. Listen, if what you've been living in is a religion that makes you feel so heavy, like you can't do it right. If you feel like you're, you're stuck, you're trapped in the do's of religion, or as I like to call it, the doo-doo of religion. The thing you don't want to do, you do. And that that you don't want to do, you do. You don't do the thing you want to do. And so you're just stuck in Paul's complete revelation of doo-doo. That's what religion can do to us. But Jesus wants to introduce you to something that is beautiful. The unforced rhythms of his grace at work in your heart to bring you into deep, meaningful relationship with him. That's what's so beautiful about this, Jay, that it's so natural. That it's just so natural as we're talking about learning to return to joy. That I know I have ways of doing that. And then I know that when I go through all my ways, that if I need, if I need to, I can reach out to you and say, hey, Jay, we just need to connect. Because I know in that relationship, you can help me in this friendship of joy, return to joy. That helping bear. We, we know that Galatians teaches us to bear one of those burdens in love. I don't think we've known how to do that. But this point of sharing joy together is truly bearing one another's burdens in love so that it doesn't become a heavy thing. I've thought several times I've remembered. Um, I, I was in a, 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 a session with, with, uh, uh, with, I'm hesitant on where I call his name because I've called his name before, but I'm just doing it, y'all, because it was with Paul Young, the writer of Shack. And in this session, Paul is teaching me about the stuff and we're talking about this. And I said at one point, Paul, I just have this heavy burden on my heart for a certain people group. And Paul just leans into camera and he says, stop it. Stop it. And I'm like, what? And he goes, don't do that. Why would you do that? And I, and I was like, you know, because, y'all, it feels like it's a spiritual thing. Like, I'm just carrying this burden and this weight. And Paul said, no, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And if you're in the unforced rhythms of grace, Chad, stop feeling like you got to try to carry a burden and just be in love with Jesus. And if he has in front of you somebody that is dealing with that today, then let that flow through you. But I, I want to, and it was so sweet, y'all, how he did it. He said, I don't want to release you from feeling like you have to carry anything that Jesus has already carried. And all you need to do is yoke up with Jesus in this light and beautiful, uh, unforced rhythms of grace. And that's just what I'm offering, man. Y'all, it is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, for sharing that, Chad. The unforced rhythms of grace. Well, I'd like to, to do this. We, we were going to um, segment some time to talk about uh, some practices of uh, how to skillfully stay in joy, find joy, stay in joy. But we'll invite you into our training community and into a church 101 if you want to find out more about that. Um, we do all sorts of um, skillful practices to be practitioners of joy so it stays in the body way. So there's an invitation for that. Uh, I'd like to open this up if uh, there's any comments or questions that have arisen uh, while we've been chatting. And if they're brought to our attention, we can address those. And then after that, uh, we'll do a listening and closing round and just I'll, I'll orient 
our audience to the next segment. So we'll just see if that is communicated to us. So let's just take 15 seconds and see if they show up. Maybe I'll adjust my screen. Case has to be shared. Uh, definitely enjoying uh, our time together, Jen. It's always a joy, Jason. All right. Well, I don't see anything coming up at the moment, and I know we're on other platforms. So if it does pop up, I'll, I'll address that. So let's let's enter into this this next round as we we kind of look for a, a, a close. You know, some some days may require grit in the kingdom for sure, but the best kingdom fuel trades duty for delight. And so as we're inviting our listeners into this relational revolution about how to live joy-fueled. Um, I want to point out that these few days, what we're doing is, is Luke 10 is able to develop these resources uh, through a training, as it's really a training organization of how we can practice heart-to-heart -heart connection uh, in this secure, attached way. And so we're looking for people that would feel an impression uh, from the Lord, from their hearts, uh, to partner with us to coordinate our global training. I haven't done anything like this um, in my life and it's quite satisfying. And continuing to experiment with church as this heart-to-heart -heart connection because of the generous donations that uh, people want to fuel this relational revolution. And we'd like to give us all some time to listen around what God wants you to know about participating in this movement. Maybe you've done this on some other calls you know, what your next steps might be. No pressure, just listening to Jesus, uh, whatever that is. So I'll just give us like a, a minute or two, Chad, as it is like us to listen to Jesus. If there's some creative expression on how we'd like to go ahead and um, partner with him in this way. Um, but also I like to uh, add a slash there. Maybe if you're listening or you'll see the recorded um, recording. And maybe you can ask the Lord about, uh, about this glad, gladness piece. And you can ask him, uh, Lord, are you glad to be with me? Are you, are you glad to see me? Are you glad to be with me? And what should I know about that today? Jesus, are you glad to be with me? What should I know about that today? So Chad, I'll just give us, you know, uh, one or two minutes and we'll just listen around those themes. Does that sound good? That's good. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Relational Revolution podcast. And remember, if you have any questions for us or you'd like to make any comments, you can reach us at relationalrevolutionpodcast at gmail.com. That's relationalrevolutionpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about Luke 10, you can go to lk10.com. That's Luke 10, lk10.com, and you can read more about Luke 10 and how you can get involved.